everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Rick and Danny Show presented by Cancer Specialists of North Florida. You got that right, Rick. Yeah, don't want to... We're just ignoring the old title completely. It yep. never existed. And we're just updating our current feed, right? Yes. So we can yeah. keep... So technically this is episode 28. Okay, so we can keep we can keep the listenership we have now. Yes. Yep. We're just morphing. Right. And right. so I think, you know, speaking of listenership i know i right. joke sometimes that i feel like i'm talking into the the abyss and maybe there aren't ears on the other end of this microphone but i've been told that that is not the case and we actually have some folks who we tell them every week we tell them all we the tell time them every week you do i can't argue with you there but <laughs> just doesn't believe us i've heard i've heard we have emails that have been sent to us that aren't from your parents correct well, but she did didn't you, tell but, us who the email Yeah, from, but did but. your parents send those in? <laughs> no. Okay. Did they stay? They're done. Yeah, they're done. One Boston sports email and it was enough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad actually, they were doing uh, yard work last week and he texted okay. me and he was like, hey, kid, I listened to uh, all the podcasts. And I said, what? What? We listen to so many. What are you talking about? He's like, your podcast. I'm like, oh. so you haven't been listening weekly? <laughs> he was like, no, but I just listened to the whole backlog. It was really great. I'm like, okay. Oh, that was nice of him. Shout, shout out. Thank you. Shout out Thank to you Keithy. For Those are, I think, listeners like one and two probably. They yeah. are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. OGs. Is that what you call them? The OGs. Yeah. So we've got uh, the first email, mm-hmm. and this is actually from a Kabrinsky patient. Oh. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read it. Apologies in advance. You had to see Dr. Kabrinsky, <laughs> mysterious yeah. patient Ooh, in the yeah. ether. I'm going to read it, and then. I'm going to read it. Kid, because I know you're amazing, <laughs> and I love no, you. No, I know. I know. <laughs> the bromance. The bromance yeah, is yeah. too much. We're bros. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. You only, you only hate on the ones you love. That's true. Well, I appreciate that. Let's see what I'm gonna read this, this mystery whole, patient. I'm gonna has read to... this whole thing and just bleep out what you guys think I should bleep out. Okay. Like names and. Things. All right. Yeah, I would probably have no identifying. All right, I'm just gonna names. bleep it out. Cause... Yeah, yeah, just no identifying all names. Right. Hello, all. I'm one of your very satisfied patients, Dr. Kabrinsky, and then in parentheses, Dr. Danny. Mm-hmm. Walked into my room at where I was recovering from blood clots in my lungs. I had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in October 2019 and operated on by Dr. the day before Thanksgiving. We had just decided not to engage the first oncologist we met, and on the first meeting in the hospital, decided to work with Dr. Kabrinsky. Pancreatic cancer returned as a small spot on my liver in 2021. The diagnosis was followed by more chemotherapy and now radiation therapy. When the cancer returned, I was angry and motivated to research alternative cancer options. Diet and exercise kept coming up in medical and non-medical sources as both additional and alternative options. Have you yet? I just discovered your YouTube presentations and I'm catching up. Discuss diet and exercise in a presentation. Thank you again. And that's, I'll bleep this out from. Yes. No, I know him well. (laughs) Still, still. Yeah. So this is a patient I know well. Um, I think. If we just talk a little bit about the case, it's unfortunately not an uncommon phenomenon to get recurrent pancreatic cancer after you've been treated definitively with surgery. And I think the fortunate part about this case is that it was an isolated oligometastatic recurrence, meaning it was a, a one location uh, recurrence in, a, in the liver. And in a majority of these cases, the recommendation is to treat with more chemotherapy. And then what we opted to do was to deliver focal, you know, high dose radiation or 
standard dose. I don't know how you describe it, Rick. Yeah, you, know, you can say high dose. To, I mean, yeah. to, uh, SBRT, targeted radiation. Targeted radiation to the, to the metastasis in the liver. I did discuss with the surgeon about potentially doing a, a partial or kind of a wedge resection of the liver. I don't think there's a, a standard, you know, approach to treating a recurrence like this, but uh, pretty much I think all oncologists surveyed would recommend more chemotherapy. And, you know, this patient's just about done with therapy, which I'm, which I'm excited for. And, and probably one of the most motivated patients I've, I've seen really pays attention to, to health and and doing things that are important for a healthy lifestyle in terms of diet and exercise. And, and I do think that that, and there have been studies to show that, you know, focusing on diet and exercise during and after cancer treatment can be very beneficial to you. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, we touched on a lot of it in that yeah. nutrition episode, but the one I keep coming back to is there was, there was actual randomized evidence. Um, this is in breast cancer, but mm-hmm. healthy body weight, you know, um, main, just body weight, maintaining a healthy, you know, appropriate BMI, improve survival yeah so independent of you know what you get for your cancer how advanced the cancer was that's pretty powerful i it mean is. there's not a lot of not a lot of things that you could say do that so i think there's to the to the um f- person who wrote in yes diet and exercise are an extremely important part of doing well with cancer treatments whether the diet and exercise directly leads to you living longer you know maybe maybe not but what it will at the minimum allow is for you to tolerate treatments better Um, if you're Mm -hmm. eating well you're eating a balanced diet you're being active you're more likely to get through chemotherapy get through radiation get through surgery without with less side effects um, more you know long-term quality of life benefits because you're you know doing these things that help mitigate some of the side effects of treatment right right so, yeah. but no, I agree with you. I mean, I think um, it sounds like everything in that case was, you know, what, what you would do by the book. Um, yeah. Pancreatic cancer, as most people know, is a aggressive cancer. Um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, can be a very lethal cancer. So unfortunately, we do see that e- despite throwing at the best of therapy, that there's a, you know, a high risk of of it, of it popping back up. Yeah, of recurrence. And interestingly, when I looked into a few of the series case series and such that recurrences and unfortunately you wish it wasn't like this but whether it's a local recurrence or a distant recurrence the survival rates don't seem to be too much different yeah between the two it's interesting because you know i think there's two well three i guess but at least what i've seen in my experience and then also what um i think is reported in the literature you know the 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 risk of metastatic spread in pancreatic cancer is so high, even mm-hmm. in the smallest tumors in the earliest stage, that chemo is always the probably, you know, arguably outside of maybe surgery, the most important, you know, backbone of treatment. Right. But it is interesting that you see kind of there's pancreatic cancers that no matter what you throw out at locally, surgery, radiation, they just continue to grow locally and that can be very morbid. Right. Um, and then there's some that just no matter what you throw at it systemically, just go aggressive and, and spread. So it's just, right. there seems to be, you know, a dichotomy between the two, but, but it's just, there's always, they always seem to, a lot of them at least seem to have bad biology, whether locally yeah. bad biology or regionally distantly bad biology, which is very interesting. Exactly. Yeah. A lot Our, of them have different mutations that are even common in other tumor types like KRAS mutations. Um, which, you know, 
overall is is not a, a great mutation to have in terms of prognosis in terms of case series two but now we're getting to a point where it's a plug research again where we're having more trials to try to target this what we think is a driver mutation for why the cancer cells are growing so you know hopefully and and you know this patient as well as a lot of our patients bring up you know what are you know, what are some of the new therapies? Are there anything other than chemo that I can get to help, you know, me live longer, potentially cure this? Um, for pancreas, we're still, we're still in that searching phase, you know, but, but I do think we do sometimes have some of these small trials that if we did the genetic analysis and you're a candidate based on the gene mutation, that doesn't matter what tumor type, sometimes we can get patients on trial, which is cool. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so, if I, I mean, pancreatic cancer is one where yeah. if there's a trial available to you, I would you know, strongly encourage yeah. it because just because while our standard of care has gotten really actually exponentially better in the last decade or so, mainly driven by better therapies on your end, uh, Danny, you know, I think it's still a disease that unfortunately is very lethal, very deadly. So I think yeah. anything, anything research wise is a, you know, no, could not only be a potentially boon for that individual patient, but also for the future of science and sort of advancement for this, you know, highly lethal disease. 100%, yeah. Well, thank nice. you for the question. Yeah, nice. thank you. We have one more. Um, so this one is, says, Dr. Rick and Dr. Danny, first, thank you for making Cancer Specialist Medical Minute, the podcast formerly known as. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're like Prince. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Available on Spotify for everyone to listen to. My name's student and was curious if you guys could probably bleep out the name yeah okay yeah. okay now i'm gonna have to cut out using bleep out the name just making sure jesus if you want to start from the beginning no it's okay yeah start from the beginning no i'm gonna cut it just start from the beginning dr rick and dr danny first thank you for making cancer specialist medical minute podcast available on spotify for everyone to listen to my name's i'm a first year medical student and was curious if you guys could briefly talk about what I could do as a medical student to be more competitive for a rad on residency. I've been listening to you guys since you started recording episodes and putting them on Spotify, and I love them. Thank you. Thank you for the email. It's nice to know people are listening. Okay, I that's told two, you guys. two verified listeners outside of I Brenna's parents. I think, so uh, we're up to this four. Is Rick's wheelhouse well, your, here. Your wives uh, listen. It's true. Five. And your family's listening too, right? Your wife? Oh, yeah. 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 Six? Six. A little bit. All right. You know, we're almost, we could get to two hands here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Mary Alice listens. Seven. All right. We're rocking and rolling. We can make this kind of a two-part answer. One's of how do you, how do you yeah, become I can successful to be competitive for residencies generally? Yeah. I think, I think, and I then, mean, we can talk about Radonk a little bit, but I think Radonk to me, this is a, this is yeah. a question of, you know, what do you do when you're in MS1? Right. Um, I think two ways we got to approach this question. One is. What, how do you, I guess, find a specialty when you're an MS1? How do you become competitive, like you said, in general for residency? And then number two, I can talk obviously about RADONC. Um, you know, I think most medical students, when they go in to medicine, maybe have some inkling of what they think they want to do. Uh, but, you know, I was that kind that I didn't. Um, you know, so I think to me, in my opinion, one of the most important parts about medical school is going with an open mind. Even if you like, you think you're dead set on being a surgeon or a GI doctor or whatever, I think going in with an open mind will allow you to not only learn better, so you know mm -hmm. you you focus more rather than saying, well, this isn't relevant to what I think I want to do. 
long term, so I'm not going to listen, which will help you be a better doctor if you kind of yeah. learn, take everything in. You may not put the same effort in certain Ex- rotations. Right, and or you just know that I maybe I'm not going to focus yeah. as much because it, right. but I, don't, I think it hurts you as a clinician long term because right. you lose that background. And then number two is you get, guess what? You may change your mind. You may fall in love with something you didn't even know was there. Um, and then, and then obviously there's the other aspect of, you know, am I competitive for certain things as you get to that point? Um, so, you know, I can give you my experience with that and then, and obviously Danny, yeah. please give us yours. But, yeah. you know, I went in with a very open mind to medical school. I didn't know what kind of doctor I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to do something with cancer. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. most people, I've had a lot of family members affected by cancer. And so I thought, you know that's where my intellectual curiosity always was. Um, but I didn't know if I wanted to be a surgeon or a radiation or medoc. Uh, truth of the matter is I didn't even know what radiation oncology was <laughs> when I entered medical school. So mm-hmm. I definitely did not go in with a, a notion that this is what I wanted to do, but I went into every, tried to go into every rotation with an open mind and, and learn. And, you know, I got lucky in the sense that the university of Florida has a great, radiation department in Gainesville and so they have a lot of uh, personalities that I attach myself to um that you know I kind of just fell in love with it that way um how early was that was that not first and second year or it was kind of it was kind of middle to end of second year year. I did a little like shadowing just to see what it was um because I knew you know you're not going to see it as a third year obviously it's not part of your core rotation so I went and I did it I said oh this is kind of cool but then I kind of put it on the back burner and I did surgery and everything else like everyone else does. And I just kept coming back to it at the end and just going, well, did I like it more than that? Well, maybe not. So, right. Um, but that's how I ended up there. It wasn't anything preplanned or I, you know, knew, you know, years in advance. Um, and I can get into the specifics later, but you know, Danny, I'm curious, what's your experience of when you first started, your education pathway like did you know you want this is what you wanted to do or was it kind of just how how did you figure it out navigate the system yeah he he monked no i I definitely didn't think i was going to be a hematologist oncologist from starting med school i think um i was pretty sure i wasn't going to be a surgeon i never really had a, a drive to to be a surgeon but i think i i went into it with an open mind like you said and initially actually i had a a little bit of interest in being an ophthalmologist, which is kind of, I don't know where that came from. I think I, my dad's friend was an ophthalmologist and I had like shadowed him a couple times and I was like, oh, this might be kind of cool what you knew. to do. But, um, but then, yeah, you first two years, I mean, you're learning a ton. You're, it's a lot of studying and, um, it's not a lot of clinical work obviously. And I think in third year, um, again, I kind of, I kind of, knew after my surgery rotations that I wasn't going to go into a general surgery residency just based on my interest. And I thought I'd probably go into internal medicine just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do specialty wise. And I thought I would want to be a specialist, but I wasn't sure exactly what it would be. Um, and then it wasn't really till fourth year med school that I went on my away rotations and did some, uh, different rotations. I did endocrine. I did hemonc. Like I did sub eyes at different yeah, places. Yeah, sub eyes at different locations. So I traveled, and I think a lot of people, and I don't know the landscape now. I think because when COVID hit, not as many people did away rotations. But um, certainly, that's I went. The first half of my fourth year was traveling around the U.S. doing away rotations, and I went to osteopathic medical school. So it's 
you kind of have to decide, are you going to do an osteopathic residency or are you going to do an allopathic MD residency at different schools? And um, there's not one right answer. I think it, it really depends on what your goals are. I think um, if you're going to go into a specialized field, um, you know, it, it is really what your interest is. I think if you have any interest in doing basic science research or clinical research and you want to be in academics for your career, then you're probably going to go into more of the, the big centers like UF or uh, maybe apply to those type of residencies, which are more allopathic residencies. But um, if your goal is not to be in academics, then, um, then you you could go either osteopathic or, or allopathic MD in your residency. So um, for osteopathic med student, that's kind of what you decide. And it's also the how competitive the residency that you're striving for, you know, for radonc being a competitive residency. And if you're an osteopathic med student, you may not apply to an allopathic uh, radonc residency necessarily. Uh, and, and I know that was true for Durham and not, ex I'm not talking exclusively, yeah, right. but a lot of osteopathic med students did not apply to MD uh, dermatology residencies, ophthalmology residencies, ortho residencies, because they were just almost impossible to get right. into. Yeah, you're, you're fighting a, you, whether it's fair or not, a perceived yeah, uphill battle. There's maybe a little bit of bias, but it's just there's so many people applying to those well, that's what I mean, that is, you kind of have to stay within your, correct. your own designation. Correct. So, um, But for internal medicine, like what I went into, um, I... I applied to mainly allopathic programs because if I was thinking, my thinking was if I was going to specialize, there's more programs in the allopathic world that I can apply to regardless of what fellowship it is. And, and that's why I did that. So no, it's good. I mean, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a nice summary. I mean, I think when I applied to radiation oncology, it was definitely in its competitive heyday. Right. So there were a lot more hoops to jump through. Um, you know, I had to do, I did away rotations as a fourth year to different radonc programs, you know, some, you know, chart research with at my home program. So there was a lot of, you know, a dog and pony show, if you will, yeah. of, of it. Um, you know, I think, I, I'm, again, my ears aren't to the ground, but my understanding for the, especially relevant to the person who wrote in, my understanding is the competitiveness of radiation oncology has gone down actually quite significantly mm. um, in terms of getting in because the number of programs has increased. I see. So, yeah. you know, we can yeah. obviously have that debate whether that's good or bad for the future, but mm -hmm. the denominator is now higher. Um, so I think the, uh, c the good news is if this is a field you're interested in as a very niche field, I think yeah. it's going to be easier for folks to get into. But to the listener, like I said, my – or to the person who wrote in, I, in my opinion, don't pigeonhole yourself to Radonc as an MS1. Mm -hmm. um, definitely keep it in the back of your mind if that's what you're interested in and you've explored it and you've shadowed it and you like it, but definitely try to go into everything with, with an open mind. And then in the right. back of your mind, still do things in Radonc. You know, if you want to do research with whoever you know in that department or you want to do away rotations, that's totally fine. But don't shortchange yourself when you experience, you know, everything else because you just don't know what you don't know. And I hate to say it, but as an MS1, you don't really know because you haven't been hmm. on those rotations in the thick of it, learning what you like and don't like. Yeah. You know, I because I, I played sports my whole life. I think everyone when I went into medical school, 
people just assumed I would be an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. So I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe I'll do that. And then I can maybe be an orthopedic oncologist because that, mm-hmm. you know, combines cancer and, and orthopedics. And then I did an orthopedic rotation and I thought it was cool, but I was like, eh, not for me. Um, right. So I think you just got to, you got to go in with an open mind and be true to yourself and, and ask yourself, what what do you see yourself doing kind of as a career right. and, and exploring it that way? Yeah, you, you definitely get a better feel for the residency that you may want to, you know, pursue in third and fourth year, I think. Yeah, and it's hard. Um, I mean, a lot of it's hard, too, because, like, a lot of it's based on the mentors that you have. Mm-hmm. And so you could yeah. have, you could really love something, but have, there's bad mentors at your institution. And right. that sucks. Or, you know, it's hard to like it when, right. if you're around people that aren't the best <laughs> mentors versus maybe you fall in love with a mentor in a specialty you're not maybe never really considered, but you love this mentor. And so that's how you, right. you know, so it's very, a lot of it's just kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how random and circumstantial a lot of it is. Yeah. If there's an opportunity for an elective third year, I think it would be reasonable to, to do it third year and actually can, yeah. rotate with somebody. Um, because then fourth year comes and you kind of sort of got to know your path at that point. Yeah. You definitely have to um, at least your showing face and trying to, you know, make sure people know who you are when you apply for residency. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, but, but to the, but to the listener, I mean, I think the good news is I think the yeah. competitiveness of, for you, the, if this is what you want to do, I think the competitiveness of Radonk is not what it was. So I don't anticipate hopefully there being much of a, of an issue matching yeah. eventually. But again, you have a lot of time before that matching point. So as an MS1, do your yeah. best to, you know, be open to, to anything. Yeah, I think setting yourself up in, you know, studying, getting, you know, getting the baseline knowledge and doing well in your tests and making good connections early are, are kind of the main points. Don't be the quiet one. Make sure people people know who you are and, you know, you want to make sure that you establish some good physician connections along the way. Yeah, then don't be afraid to ask for, you know, if some, you know, you don't have to be as direct as, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. But you can ask people, say, hey, do you mind if I follow you an extra day in clinic? Do you mind if we sit down and grab a cup of coffee and tell me about what's going on? I mean, I think most most physicians in an academic center hopefully should be amenable to, to that because that's yeah. part of their job is education, teaching, that sort of thing. So, Yeah, because, I mean, these physicians sometimes, and you, and you don't realize at the time, but or you you have a letter written by so and so and and they're not only on a national committee but they're you know editing a journal and you you may not know all this information they know people across the US and they're writing you a letter that's going to go a long way at multiple programs if they see that name pop up and they write you a good letter so um you know just making these connections and whatever whatever field you decide you're going into is is going to be helpful so hopefully that helped the the listener. Very long-winded so. way of answering their question, but I think we did it. We did. What it. do you think, Brenna? I think it was great. Good, Brenna. You've been on your phone this whole time. I've been listening. Okay. I think she's been TikToking. Yeah. She decides to go to med school. She's yeah. Brenna, she's got yeah. some advice. Brenna, yeah. third career. No. <laughs> she's like. Absolutely. She's not. like I've seen you this up and close. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I don't I'll, need uh, that stress. I'll I'll stick with the got marketing. My stress. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our second episode of the Rick and Danny Show. What do you think, Rick? How'd it go? I think it went good. Uh, you know, we took some 
emails, which I think was nice. It's nice to hear, again, sound like a broken record, but people are listening. Send us questions, comments. We're happy to read them out loud over the air. And Hey, guys. Producer Bernie here coming at you from the pod loft. At the time of our recording, we did not have social media, but we have it now, thankfully. So I wanted to cut this in here. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Danny Show, on Facebook and Instagram at Rick and Danny Show, and on YouTube at The Rick and Danny Show. If you have any questions, comments, dad jokes you want to share, if you're Dunkin' Donuts and you want to sponsor us, you can send us an email to Show at gmail.com. As always, we're available wherever podcasts are found, and please make sure you rate and review us on apple podcasts and spotify really helps us in the charts we need to prove to rick that we do in fact have listeners all right we'll see you soon mahalo